All right, we're going to have Carl Faze here live next Sunday. Anyone looking forward to seeing and hearing Carl? Now, for those of us who have heard Carl speak, well, no, he is a world-class speaker. I still can't believe it. We are going to have Carl here. Morning and night, 10 o'clock and 5 o'clock, as a way of introducing us to this Game Changer Jesus, the Game Changer series. As I said uh, a couple of weeks ago, the staff and I, we've been working through this the last couple of months. We've still got a little way to go, but we are thoroughly enjoying it. It's great that we're going to have Carl here next Sunday. Then we go into Mother's Day. And then we'll get into Jesus, the game changer. Well, good morning. It's great to have you here. Welcome, especially to those who are participating online this morning. I realize there may be new people here this morning and kind of going, well, what's this all about? Who is this person? What's the door of hope? You know, why do we exist, et cetera, et cetera. So just very quickly, great to have you here. I've met a few uh, new people already this morning. My name is Steve Fitzallen. I'm the senior minister here at Door of Hope Christian Church with a great team of uh, people, staff, volunteers, and uh, I've been doing this for, wait for it, 20 years. And uh, I've been married to uh, a a girl, her name's Karen, we've been married also January this year, 20 years, and um, we, uh, we love doing what we do, and if you are new, by the way, you're wondering, well, how do we last that long? Because a lot of ministers don't last in a church uh, that long. It's because of the people. You soon discover uh, the people are amazing here, incredible, giving, generous, loving, caring people. I will also say, also say that we aren't a perfect church, but we have a perfect God. And Jesus is at the center of all that we do and all that we are. So welcome. It's great to have you here this morning. We've been on a journey uh, with this series entitled Jesus Is. And uh, you might have seen some of the the art displayed by some of our congregational members uh, over this last month or so. And uh, this morning I'm going to highlight this piece here to your right. I don't know if we can get some light on that. Is that okay? And uh, this uh, particular piece of art this morning, we can't get the light. No, that's okay. All right. Um, is entitled um, The Way, the Truth, and Life. And this, the artist this morning we're highlighting is Crystal Parry. And uh, yeah, yeah. You can clap in a moment, though. It goes like this. She says this, I have always heard this and pictured Jesus showing me the way I need to go in life. By lighting up the small steps in front of me that will take me down the path he has set before me. A path only he can see because he is above time, looking down on our lives the same way in which we look at the rings in the stump of a tree to see just what that tree was going through, whether it was a rough or perfect season. Jesus knows exactly the seasons we are in, and he is more than able to help us by guiding us where your feet should fall. Jesus, more importantly, is the way. The cut-up branches represent the wood from the cross that he died on, paving the way for us to freely access the love and forgiveness of God. He shows us the way, and the way is through him. In fact, if you're one of the artists who have something on display here this morning, um, I'm going to do this one, this is our final opportunity to, to ask you, invite you to stand, and we'd just like to say thank you and acknowledge you. So could please stand. I realize not everyone's here, by the way, but I know three or four of you are. If you've got a piece of art on stage, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much for your time and effort. And yet they can be purchased, in fact, from what I understand. I think you get onto our website, is that right? You can get on, no, you can't get onto our website. 
you just con contact the office. Contact the office. Anyway, grab uh, one of those later on, and uh, you can get online and check that out. Whatever. All right. All right. Let me ask you a question. Isn't it a wonderful thing? Isn't it a wonderful thing that when all of a sudden something becomes very clear that's been right in front of you all the time? It is, but what do you mean, Steve? Okay. Well, let's think of the Specsavers commercials. They're funny commercials, aren't they? <laughs> Um, let's think of the one, the, the, the lifeguard. The lifeguard, he goes and rescues a person. What he, what he thinks is a person, but he's a, it's a seal. And so he comes back and CPR, and what's, what's the deal? It's a seal. Everyone kind of laughs. What's the little tagline? Should have gone to Specsavers. What's another one? Uh, I saw a little boy. Saw a little boy. He, was, uh, he had um, a remote, remote control in his hand. He was trying to get his car, his little remote control to work. And over in the background, you see his poor dad's car being smashed by the remote control of the garage door. <laughs> so the little boy should have gone to Specsavers. What's another one? The cat. You might have to tell me about the cat. Oh, the vet. Oh, the vet. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so the vet and uh, the, 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 trying to get the, uh, the, the, the rhythm, the heart rhythm, and he's got it on there, and all of a sudden the, the, the owner comes in, and it ends up being not a cat, but it's a, a hat. Should have gone to Specsavers. Fantastic. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing that when all of a sudden something becomes very clear that's been right in front of you all the time? Because that's where we're going. Now, I should have known this when I chose my football team. Because <laughs> on Friday night, we are now at zero from six games. <laughs> but my boy reminded me, my boy reminded me last night, there is still hope, Dad, because this time last year, the Sydney Swans, the Sydney Swans, they were from zero from six games, and they got the top eight. So there is still hope. Let's keep going, let's keep going. <laughs> But this is where we go. Let's go, let's go. This is where we're going here this morning. We're going to look at this passage that brings unbelievable clarity that's been right in front of us all the time. John chapter 14 is where we're going. Feel free if you've got your Bible here this morning, or your smartphone, and the details are on the screen there if you'd like to follow through with us. This is right in front of us, John chapter 14, verses 1 to 10. And I'm going to read, and it says this. this is from the NIV translation. It says this. And it's entitled, Jesus Comforts His Disciples. It says this, do not let your hearts be troubled. This is Jesus to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. Pause there for a moment. I think we just sang a song similar to this, right? There you go. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Press pause there for a moment. I'll press play just in a moment. Oliver, the way he's leading us in worship this morning, he had no idea, no idea where I was going with this message this morning. God does that a little bit and he's good at that. So check this out. Jesus, the way to the Father, it's entitled. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do not know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Father, this morning we come to you with thankful hearts. We're thankful for each other. We're thankful for the things we can learn from one another, but especially your word here this morning. Open our hearts, open our ears, open our eyes that we would be able to see with greater clarity all that you would have for us in this, your word, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If we just go back to that first slide with that passage of Scripture, is that okay? What's the first slide? Let's just take this apart just for a moment if we could. Remember, Jesus talking to the disciples. We'll get some context here just in a moment. But he says, do not let your hearts, is that right? Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in in me. Let's bring some context around what's going on here. The disciples are um, uh, experiencing difficult days, past, present, and especially what they're about to experience. Now, the context, we have to go back to chapter 13, which gives us good context here because Jesus has been talking about a few things that's causing confusion in the life of the disciples. He's talking about his um, body that's going to be broken, He's talking about the blood is going to be poured. Uh, Jesus, in fact, is talking about leaving the disciples, leaving this earth. He's talking about, in chapter 13, this is, he's talking about that one of them is going to betray them. and kind of go, well, who's that going to be? He's talking about one of them is going to actually deny him. Who's that going to be? And so the context here is that their hearts are troubled, and Jesus senses this. He senses that they are worried. And he senses that they are confused. And what does he say in verse 1? He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Very good. What does troubled mean? It means this. It means to be stirred. It means that you may have that sense of agitation. It means a loss of calmness. The disciples are clearly upset and they are uncertain about what Jesus is referring to and what they are about to go through without him. Press pause. How are you this morning? Oliver has already asked us. He's already shared his own story this morning. These last couple of months for him has been full on. Are your hearts troubled this morning? Is your heart troubled? This morning. Maybe that's what Jesus is asking you here this morning. Let's keep going. Um, because the disciples had all the reason to be troubled. Um, they were, um, this was very much a normal response. And so Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled, yet believe. You believe in God, believe also in me. What's he challenging to do in this verse? He's challenging them, maybe for us here this morning, to shift. From being in a place of fear to faith. And there's a journey in that, isn't there? Maybe you're in a place of fear here this morning. 
And you need to take that journey, that step to faith. And Jesus is trying to bring comfort to the disciples in this place of distress. He goes on. Let's go to the next verse. That's verse 1. Verse 2 says this. My father's house. Yeah, we've sung about that here already this morning. Has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also be made, sorry, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. What's Jesus saying to the disciples in this particular verse? I think he's saying fear, faith, trust. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. In this going away, in this denial, in this betrayal, in this blood, in this body, trust me with all that's going on. In chapter 13, he's saying, trust me. Yes, I am going away. And those with troubled hearts, those who are feeling a little anxious, and they're kind of going, well, where? Where are you going? And by the way, can we follow you there as you go? And so Jesus starts talking about what? The Father's house. And he's hinting in this moment of a new world. He's assuring them that him going is in fact not a bad thing. He's trying to calm troubled hearts. It's not a bad thing. In fact, it's for the benefit of who? It's for the benefit of those who listen to him, those of his disciples. And he says that I'm going ahead of you and there's a room that I'm preparing for you. Press pause. I'll press play in a moment. Try to remember to do that. This is a great metaphor, a beautiful metaphor of a bridegroom who's preparing his place for his fiancée. That's what he would do. He would go ahead. He would go ahead and prepare a place for his bride-to-be. And Jesus is using this metaphor. It's going to be beautiful. I'm preparing it for you. I'm the groom. You are the bride. Then there's Thomas. Don't you love Thomas? I love Thomas. We kind of get a little bit confused about, no, Thomas, he doubted. He was a doubter. Come on, come on, come on. Don't you love Thomas? He was the one who spoke up. He was the one sitting in the classroom like I used to be. And I was sitting in that classroom. Please tell me I'm not the only one. See, teacher, I've got no idea what you mean. Okay, good, thank you. I'll give you a few nods. Oh, can you please explain what, this is Thomas, bless him. Thomas kind of sits up and he speaks up and uh, he says in verse five, it goes on, verse five, chapter 14, Lord, <laughs> we've got no idea. We've got no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way, the way? Uh, bless him, Thomas, with all those doubts. You've got to admire him because Thomas wanted to know. He wanted to have assurance that this was right, that he was the way. Sometimes in class, when I put my hand up and I ask those questions, I knew I was right. I wanted to be confident. I wanted to know because when I knew, when I knew, when I had clarity around what I was meant to know, I could move ahead. I was confident. I think it's what Thomas is doing because the disciples certainly didn't put their hands up, yet they were extremely confused, by the way. Yet Thomas, he had the courage to ask, what the... What the? <laughs> oh, by the way, this promise, this, this um, uh, prompted one of the greatest statements ever made, and I think this is encouraging. 
Now, before I say that, I've got to bring something to you. I've got to share something with you. And it goes like this. Can anyone tell me what these are? Oh, wait on. Don't dare pick your nose, whatever you do. Gracious. <laughs> these are 3D glasses. Now, I'm about to read you something that once you see this, you can't, you can't unsee this. This verse isn't just in 3D. No, no, no. This verse is in exclusive 3D. So once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's a clarity for some that may be a little disturbing for others. Now, some of you, of course, are picking this up. Going, How on earth are you seeing through that, Steve? Well, I've got a fair bit of gap here, all right, so I can see. I can see my notes because it's, it's really... But for the sake of the, the, the illustration, come with me, all right? All right? So come with me on this illustration. Come with me, all right? Now, 3D. Let's talk about 3D just for a moment because it's fascinating. I didn't realize just how old 3D was. And I looked this up. Feel free to do that. It goes all the way back to the late 1800s. It's in fact called stereoscope vision. It was invented by photographer David Brewster in 1844. In fact, the first 3D movie was a French movie that ran for 90 seconds, and it was entitled The Arrival of a Train into a Station. It was first shown at a fair a fair in 1859. You could, could you possibly imagine the reaction of the people? They were scared witless. They jumped up and left the room because there was such clarity. It was so clear to them. They were scared witless. Now, of course, we watch movies today that's very helpful for us, like Avatar and Star Wars and things like that. And when we put our 3D glasses on and we walk into this 3D cinema, it comes into absolute clarity. Once again, I'm about to read you something that once you see this, you can't unsee it again. Thomas, let's go back to Thomas and we'll go to this verse I'm talking about. Thomas says this, Lord, we do not know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Here it is, here it is, you ready? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's what you call exclusivity. Exclusivity. What exclusivity means is you cannot get that anywhere else. You know those TV commercials, radio commercials come on any time that, um, that kind of go on the angle of exclusively, exclusively from this business, yeah? Exclusively from this restaurant, exclusively, exclusively from this particular brand. If you want a real one, not a fake one, you have to go to this particular shop. It's exclusively aligned to this particular brand or shop. Now, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Are you saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven? No, I'm not saying that. Jesus is saying that. Jesus is saying that.
listen to how one of the apostles, those who are around Jesus, interpreted the words in which Jesus just said. This is the apostle Peter, and he says this. He says in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, salvation is found in who? No one else. For there is who? No other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, these three words, way, truth, and life, to the Jews, these were well-known concepts. It certainly wasn't new when they heard Jesus talking about this. That's why Thomas asked his question. Let's take these three points just apart just for a few moments. If we couldn't, I'm done. The first one is the way. Everyone say the word hodos. Hodos. Everyone say hodos. Hodos. Hodos is the Greek word in which Jesus was saying, I am the hodos, he's saying. I am the hodos. I am a road. I am a pathway. For Jesus is the path to God in this world and forever. And so when the disciples heard Jesus say that I am the way, once again, it wasn't the first time they had heard this. In fact, it goes right back to when Moses said, you will walk in all the ways of the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 5, 33 Isaiah said, you will hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, Isaiah 30, 21. And the psalmist says, teach me your way, O God, Psalm 86, verse 11. And so the Jews Jews knew a lot about the way or the ways of God. But they knew the ways of God through obedience, through obedience. Uh, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They knew the way through keeping the Ten Commandments. They knew the way through the law. And Jesus says, well, I respect the law. I respect the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. And so the law is not the way. I'll go a little further with this and say, in fact, the church is not the way. Kindness is not the way. And Jesus is saying to his disciples that I don't want to scare you, even though those things are very important. But if you are looking for the way, Jesus says, I am the way. It's me. It's me, he's saying. That's what he's saying. You see, the word way, remember, Hodos? It's what? It's like a street. It's like a, a pathway that takes you somewhere. And he's saying that I'm not an end in myself, I'm a pathway to another. I'm that pathway to God. I am the way, the pathway to the Father's house, to heaven. And so he doesn't give a map or instructions. He offers personally, personally, to be the way to the Father. Some of you might be new here this morning. You kind of might ask here this morning, well, I'm new. I'd like to eat out afterwards. First thing we would say, well, eat at our cafe. But just in case you weren't eating our cafe, we'd say, well, let's say a place like Morty's, all right? Morty's, everyone knows where Morty's is. We'd give instructions. We'd give directions to where Morty's is. You go ahead here in Pipeworks Road. You go down Wellington Street onto Bathurst Street and turn and go as far as you can into Brisbane Street and then turn around the corner into York Street. It's right there. That's where Morty's. I could give you instructions. Jesus is not saying that. You see, I could say that person who wants to go to Morty's for lunch, I could say, in fact, instead of me giving you instructions, let's go together. And that's what Jesus is saying. Let's go together. 
Let's go together. He's not giving a map and he's not giving instructions. I am the way. What's the way? It's the pathway to the Father. The second one is I am the truth. I am the truth, he says. I am the truth to what the Father is like. Once again, with our 3D glasses on. The Greek word, everyone say this word with me, is aletheia. Aletheia, very good, aletheia, which means the real state of affairs, that of which we can really rely upon. This is divine truth revealed to man. Jesus is saying, I am the lens through which you can see what is real that has clarity for you in this lifetime. Now, many of us struggle, many people struggle with this idea of absolute truth. Why do we think that people struggle with absolute? Well, in fact, you and I know the answer is that we like options, don't we? We like options. We, we want to choose between what's uh, uh, small, medium, or large. Or that steak, we, can have. we want rare or medium or well. Who's the mediums in the place? These are the people who are saved here, right? Fantastic. Rare meat. We like these options, don't we? Maccas, Hungry Jacks, Burgers Got Soul or Burger Junkie. Oh, we got a few junkie fans. But it grates on us, doesn't it? This idea of absolute truth, because we like options. And some say, well, I don't mind the idea that Jesus is a truth, but I struggle with the, the concept that Jesus is the truth, because that sounds a little exclusive, don't you think? And we live in a culture where the primary value of society is tolerance and acceptance. Very good. And so when Jesus, in fact, says that I am the way, I am the truth, in fact, it is exclusive. Because Jesus didn't say, I am a truth. He says, I am the truth. Oh, by the way, marriage is exclusive. Outside of marriage, it can be very dangerous if either partner start to go to a place they know they should not go. Well, you have your truth, yeah, and I'm going to have my truth. Can I say this this morning for those who kind of come from that angle, and I say this, I want you to know this morning that the reason Jesus said this is simply this, is because he cares for you. And he wants you to know the truth. And the song that we sang this morning, which I'll bring up just in a moment, it sets you free. It will set you free. I think there are three quick things we can learn about this idea of truth. The first thing and the most important thing we learn about truth is this, that the truth is not a principle. The truth is a person. You see, Jesus didn't say, I know some truth. I point you to the truth. He didn't say, I tell the truth. He didn't say, I am a prophet of truth. He didn't say, the truth is a religion or a ritual or a set of rules. No, no, no. When Jesus says, I am the truth, he's not, he's not claiming to be one of the many different shades of truth. He is the truth of God. He doesn't just doesn't just tell us about God. He is the ultimate expression of God. The truth is not a principle. The truth is a person. 
The second thing I think we can learn about this idea of the truth from this particular passage or verse even, that Jesus reveals the truth about the character of God. Well, what's God like? Look to Jesus. Uh, verse 8 to 9, this is what Philip really struggled with, didn't he? Remember that part in the, in the passage, he says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be what? enough for us. Jesus answered, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. What Philip's actually revealing to us here this morning is that you can actually be around Jesus and not get it. And it kind of annoyed Jesus that you can be in church, you can sing the songs and not be transformed. And Jesus isn't only the way to the Father, he's the truth about what the Father is like. What's the Father like? What's the Father like? He reaches out to the lonely. He fights for the underdog. He hates injustice. He searches for the lost. He embraces the forgotten. He comforts the sick. He loves children. And he brings wisdom through his word for everyday living. Hebrews 1 verse 3, Jesus is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Jesus reveals the truth of the character of God about the character of God. The third thing about the truth is that we can learn that the truth sets us free. Free, yeah. That's what we sang about there this morning. And many people are convinced that God is a taker, not a giver. Many people are convinced that you actually lose more than you ever gain. That God is life-taking rather than life-giving. John 8, 32 says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so contrary to people's opinion, the truth of Jesus Christ is not designed to take away your freedom. It's designed out of love to set you free. No more bullying. No more murder. No more jealousy. No more fraud. No more sexually transmitted diseases. No more stealing. And the list goes on. And in this fragile and uncertain world in which you and I live, where it feels like the truth is ever-changing, out of God's own character, he has given absolute truth that never changes. Do I hear an amen? amen. Fantastic. Third and final one, I'm going to finish with this as we come into a time of communion. Jesus says, I am the way. Say this with me. I am the truth and I am the Zoe. <laughs> That's the Greek word. I pre-warned my daughter about that. It's her name, Zoe. And she was a bundle of life, bundle of life when she arrived six weeks early. <sighs> and we nearly lost my wife. She had pneumonia and uh, anyway, that's another story. But Jesus says, I am the Zoe. I'm the Hodos. I'm the Lathia. And I'm the Zoe. I'm the life. Jesus saying? I believe Jesus is saying to some people here this morning and even participating online this morning, those who can hear via podcast, maybe even on YFM, I believe he's saying to you, wherever you might be this morning, that I am the key to the life in which you are craving. You've tried everything else, and I mean everything else. You've tried it. You've been there, done that. It's not fulfilling. There's a God-shaped heart, whole, in your life that can feel your heart. 
And Jesus is the purest example how life is meant to be lived. John 10, 10, Jesus says that the enemy comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life in all of its abundance. And without life, it's religion. And religion leaves us empty. But Jesus gives us life. What does life look like? Life. Well, one of the apostles, the apostle Paul, described the first few things as love, joy, and peace. Does this describe your life, working towards that kind of life? Or are you troubled? Are you anxious like the disciples were when they sat down with Jesus that day? Let not your hearts be troubled. Are you worried? Are you filled with anger? Are you filled with a life of negativity? Because Jesus came to give us life. And that's what life looks like, a life filled with love, joy, peace, in and through the uncertainty of it all. 1 John 5, 11 says, And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Whoever has the Son has what? Life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. With the glasses on, we can see so much more clearly now because this is 3D exclusivity. What is it? Number one, Jesus is the absolute way to the Father. Jesus is absolute truth about the Father and He's the absolute source to an eternal life with the Father and the life He wants you and I to live on a daily basis. There it is summed up. But here's the question. Here's the question with your 3D glasses on because it's so easy to come with our 3D glasses on of a Sunday and take them off and throw them away during the week. I want to ask you a question here this morning and it is this with our glasses on. I can't finish without asking you this morning to DTR. Some of you will know what that would mean from more of a younger generation. DTR means define the relationship I want to ask you a question this morning. And that's to define the relationship. Because what that means is when, people, when two people are dating, there comes a time to define the relationship. Well, are we going out? <laughs> are we a boyfriend and girlfriend? Or are we, are we committed? Or are we exclusive? Marriage is exclusive. What does Jesus call us? He calls us his bride and he is the groom. It's exclusive. I'm asking you this morning to define the relationship with Jesus. Well, Steve, how do we, how do, we do that? Let's finish with these two verses and I'm done. John 5, 24, very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word, that's what we've heard this morning, and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged but has crossed over from what? From death to life. Paul wrote to the church, he said in Romans 10 verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. There it is, defining the relationship right there, DTR. Jesus is Lord, the way, the truth, and the life. Defining the relationship and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never made a choice, Jesus invites you to take the glasses and put them on because it's gonna bring a whole lot more clarity to this uncertain and fragile world in which we live. In Jesus' name, let's pray.